we're going to look back on the one of the bigger countries, uh, bigger than Uruguay, at least with Canada and 2021 to see kind of what happened with uh, their year in cannabis. Uh, they saw some product innovations. They had 2.0 that saw some um, additional products coming out, concentrates, topicals, and then craft brands kind of came out. Um, we'll talk a little bit about how people aren't really wanting um, the Budweiser equivalent. They're, everyone is, is redoing uh, their production from mass quantity to actually producing something that people want. They're, they're going to be uh, focusing on craft growers. So this is going to be a, a pretty quick report on Canada, and we'll compare them with another report from uh, New Frontier Data, who, you know, you got to take their data with a grain of salt. Um, they're very hyperbolic in, in their expectations. So we'll compare Canada with that report on a global scale all coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So like I mentioned, premium flour is getting four times more than the um, you know high volume flour. So as, as all these people were producing way too much, they realized like, oh, this isn't very good and we're going to get a lot more if it's better. So I think if you look at a brand like um, Tilray and how after the merger, 50% of, of their business just left. Uh, and then you look at a, a brand like Cookies and everyone is going to go there. It's, it's not because of the branding. It's because of the cultivar, the experience, the understanding of the plant and the management. You know, like that's really what's driving all of this. So uh, big, big differences where you can learn from mistakes more, I think, than you can from um, success. So uh, let's dive into Canada and kind of see um, what's available out there, um, licenses and, and all of that, regional overview. Um, <clears throat> Ontario had one of the most underserved provinces. They only had 17 retailers in 2019, and now they got 2,000 stores, Alberta. Uh, they got 721. BC is pretty slow. And I've asked about if it's Hell's Angels. I've had people laugh at me. And then I've had other people say, of course it is. So I'm, I'm going to go with my gut instinct and say that there's a um, legacy market there, the very influential group that's really holding back. Saskatchewan is, is um, under, I understand that only 113 because no one's there. Uh, but BC should have way more. In Ontario, it's funny because they had like 200 stores in Hamilton alone. They had more than uh, any concentration of Starbucks when I was there. There's 200 stores within uh, just a couple of miles. It was, it was pretty wild. Unfortunately for Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island and Quebec, they all have to deal with government-operated retail. That would be pretty annoying. With that 2.0, a lot of companies launch brands, pre-rolls are super popular in the Northwest here in Washington, um, you know, number one product probably behind flower in Arizona, uh, more conservative. So vapes are popular, but I think as um, the market opens up, you're going to see that switch mostly because of the price. When people stop caring about what other people think, you're going to see like that low price of, uh, of pre-rolls really take off. And it's a good way to kind of try different, um, there's small batch and, and um, different cultivars or strains that you can try. I think a lot of people will uh, 
will go that route. Vaping is going to be popular in areas where there's um, you know, high density. So in cities, anyone who's traveling or business, um, increasing in price differentiation, live resin, live terpenes. When I was up at a BC's Lift Expo in January of 2020, uh, there was a 400% increase in the previous year. So for 2019, 400% increase in sales for perceived healthier products, live resin, live rosin, terpenes, anything like that was um, really, really popular up there. Shout out to my guys, Embark and uh, the Bubble Man. Um, they've got this pre-roll that's made just straight out of hash. And I really want to get up to Canada. I can't yet. Um, maybe in May, if, if things kind of chill out at the border, then I can actually get my ass up there. But this pre-roll hash stick is just straight hash. It's kind of like a, um, uh, a straw. It's hollow, I think, in the middle. And you just kind of smoke this, this hash stick solventless i mean this thing looks amazing so they're going to come out with some there these guys are small right so bubble man um and uh embark small group they just merge or they were bought out or something but these, these guys if they're going to continue to do their thing somebody to watch for sure you would think that drinks would be a little bit more popular being that they can go coast to coast and not really have to worry about regional bottling facilities or, you know, worry about different provinces that, that can't cross borders. And, um, we have that issue, you know, Washington has no ready to go ready to drink coffee. Portland does, but it's small production. So you would think that beverages would have a, uh, a bigger market share, uh, but they just don't. So it's probably due to the cost. I'm guessing it's at least $15 for a 12 ounce, and that's going to be price uh, prohibitive. If you look at it, any energy drink, um, three and a half dollars is probably going to be the bar. Uh, if I go and get a hemp mocha, it non-infused. <laughs> if I go to Starbucks and I get a hemp mocha, it's $8.50. It's crazy. Alternative milk should not be that much. And so 850 is way too much for me to buy coffee. I can't imagine people are going out and dropping on infused drinks over and over. I get RSO, you know, thousand milligrams for a syringe of RSO and bam, that's my edible. I'm not messing around with something that, um, you know, is more expensive than I want to, to spend. It's just that simple. So I'm, I showed you the hash joint from a uh, bubble man up in Canada definitely taken off. Um, there's some solid folks up there, uh, doing some, some good stuff too. So some of these, uh, leaf caviar cones are going to be super popular infused joints, definitely popular down here as well. We just did a podcast on topicals and how that's trending, but it's definitely different. It's going to be people who are more medicinal, who are, you know, their bodies are broken. So probably older people, um, you know, the younger gumbies that are flexible and bendy, they're not going to use topicals. They just want to get high. So uh, just a different segment. It's going to be maybe less innovation unless they can add CBD, CBG, CBN, uh, something like that, which, um, you know, we've got a couple of good products uh, up uh, element apothic is, uh, one that, uh, that I use that has all of those stuff in there. It's not Canadian. So Canada might have more of a, a competitive landscape now that companies are really looking at, uh, what people want. Like I mentioned, Aurora and Canopy kind of getting rid of excess canopy growth and really focusing on the fundamentals, 
right? So focusing um, from established players to small disruptors, launching new brands, innovative products, a cultivars and things that people actually want to, you know, partake in and, and use. Um, also, like going way back to 2019 is pairing your um, all of your your margins have to be pared down and it has to make sense, right? So if it's not profitable, it, it, your investors are not going to put up with uh, anything less than a well-run organization at this point. If you're not uh, running at, at good margins on, on a number of your SKUs, uh, there's probably going to be some management disruptions because there's going to be less and less patience and tolerance as, uh, as time moves on. So I do think that people are going to be really pushing for premium products um, and lower costs. And it may take a, a disruptor like Colombia or Peru coming in uh, to really force that. So maybe we'll see some changes in the regulations right now. It's still 10 milligrams of THC for drinks um, and edibles. So uh, I would never buy a 10 milligram edible. Now, if it's 10 packages within the same thing and it's 100 milligrams, someone might. I'm still not going to. That's why I get RSO. So I'm going to have to uh, loosen that up a little bit. Um, there's probably not the same limitations on alcohol, right? Uh, in Washington state, we can only buy an ounce of flour or seven grams of concentrate per day. Uh, makes it kind of annoying if you want to stock up, like if it's snowing or something and, and you want more, you can't, it's kind of annoying. Um, spending on adult use outpacing the legacy market every quarter since 2020 Q3 following a period where brands are focusing on bringing the products to market that undercut legacy prices, not sure how they're going to do that with with taxes because uh black market doesn't have taxes so seeing uh product innovations last year again um maybe more craft growers premium products and trying to get to that 4x increase on a premium segment over just uh you know that budweiser equivalent so last year we saw 1.7 billion this year 4.2 billion next year maybe we'll see 6 billion in canada so Canada is in the news, obviously being uh, legal up there, coast to coast. Uh, Uruguay, though, 2013 became the first country to legalize cannabis for adult use. Since then, we've got Mexico, South Africa, Republic of Georgia, those three companies. Uh, the courts ruled that it's a violation of the citizens' rights not to be able to cultivate cannabis. And so they're going to have a regulated market. And then also happened with Germany. Um, announcing that they're going to legalize Luxembourg approved legislation. And then Malta also is going to leave, uh, has legalized cultivation and um, that'll happen this year. So um, Canada will, will have some maybe additional partners to try and export to assuming that they don't try and radiate their cannabis. Uh, they tried doing that to Germany a few years ago. I don't know if they threw it in the microwave or whatever, uh, but Germany's like, no, we don't, we don't radiate our food. North America's like, what do you mean? We serve our people radiated foods all the time. It's great. Talked a bit about Canada being uh, limited on their 2.0 rollouts. Now that that is out of the way, they're going to be able to have an evolving landscape of products. And uh, that goes globally. You know, not, we're not just focusing on, on Canada at this point. You're going to see not just flour. Um, in fact, in, Ca in California, flour has dropped down to about 42% market share. So I would anticipate that everywhere where it's two thirds, three quarters market share, you're going to see additional products coming in, whether that's pre-rolls or vape or edibles, uh, flour will eventually 
um, probably dropped down to a third uh, overall market share. It's still uh, one of the Bud Tenders favorite products. So whenever I go into a rec shop, I always ask them, what's your favorite product? What's the number one product being sold? And flour is still, still way, way up there. Breaking down from 2018 to 2021 in terms of uh, who's buying what categories, 27% vape, still 50% flour, only 10% concentrate. So as much media as concentrate gets, it's just not that popular. And I don't think it's the price anymore. I used to think that because grams of, of concentrate were, you know, $60, $80 in a new market, um, vapes, same thing. Uh, now you can get a gram of concentrate, 20, 30 bucks, a vape cart, 40, 50 bucks. Uh, it's probably too expensive and it's not uh, the same. People want to throw a flower into a bong and have that full spectrum. They definitely don't want the isolate, distillate. Um, so I think maybe a FICO or some type of, you know, full, full cannabis extract would be better. Um, edibles are just too expensive and that's why they also only command, um, you know, maybe an 11% market share. So it's, I think it's about price really. Um, but it's again, as much hype as extracts get, I just don't see as many bud tenders as I would think, you know, like the, the younger millennials that are working in the industry, they just, they all want flour. It's between two thirds and up to 90%, depending on when I go, majority of people still want flour. So here's an interesting stat. 70 countries have legalized some form of the cannabis plant for medical use. 26 have provided legal access to high THC cannabis for qualified patients, and 10 have fully legalized high THC for adult use. Six have adopted systems for regulated distribution. So not just Uruguay and Canada anymore. Uh, a lot more people are, are jumping on board, and it's because of the money. So... Uh, that's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens with uh, the tourism and revenue and, and everything else as all of these countries jump on board. So even though you have federal legalization, U.S. has 10 times more spend than any other legal country. So Canada uh, is had $2 billion in legal sales. Um, you know, California alone had probably like four-something four billion. I don't have the exact number in front of me right now, but... Um, not even close to the amount of sales that we have in the U.S. So the United States says 86% of sales is 20.3 billion. And um, it's not going to stop anytime soon. They expect 51 billion by 2025. When looking at the total global demand, uh, pretty significant. North America has like 97% and then the rest of the world, uh, you know, wants the rest. So uh, Caribbean, not so much. Asia is fairly low oceana, but so Asia is super stressed out though. Once they figure out what it is, I think that that's going to explode. I'm seeing a lot of interest out of India who I would, you know, I would throw that into the conservative Asian culture. And yet there's a massive amount of interest, maybe from an entrepreneurial small business standpoint of selling machines and, and equipment. But I also think that from the culture uh, they're probably interested in, in smoking it too. So are you, you're consuming it in, in one form or another. Looking at almost $420 billion in 2020 for total cannabis spending, um, Asia spent 186. So, I mean, that's interesting because Asia only accounts for 0.7% of the global demand, but their spend is the most. I mean, there's a lot of people in India, a lot of people in China, 
and it doesn't take much for those dollars to to go so even though 90, uh, 97% of north america market share um, it only equates to 92 billion 0.4% of the market share in asia equates to 186 billion that's crazy it's double <laughs> imagine if the market share uh, gets to 1% damn so people are kind of focusing on California when in fact, maybe they should be focusing on Asia. They have 45% of the total, total spend. So it's definitely uh, an interesting segment there. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.